that's a good-looking kid on that uh, video. Looks like her mom. Thank goodness. Oh, it's great to see you. It really is. We're actually wrapping up this series, Resetting Your Compass in a Disoriented World. I, I, if you have missed any of the messages, I, I think it's worth going back and, and uh, catching them online. I, I think it's as relevant as anything you can read or pick up today. And we've been talking, if you're new today or you're new, popped in over the last few weeks, we're talking about the will of God. We uh, talked about a known will of God, which is what we read in the Word of God, which is 90% of it is, is uh, 90% of His will is probably displayed already for all of us. But then we talked about the unique will of God, how He has unique uh, specific things for you that uh, He may be calling you to. And then we talked about uh, God's plan and will for your material resources. And uh, we talked about God's will and plan for your time. These are the two, the, in our day, the time and the money are the things we blow out our margins with. We, we need to live with some margins, some breathing room in our life, but our time, we fill it all up. Our money, we all, uh, it all goes somewhere. It seems to be more month than money sometimes. And so we need to find that we have a God who cares about those things, and we talked about that. Today, um, we're going we're gonna to be talking about, I, 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 I had this thought. The older I get, I sometimes start thinking, okay, there are only so many times I may be able to speak about this again uh, in my right mind to an audience that, that uh, can hear. And... Uh, I just feel like when it comes to the will of God, sometimes we don't want to hear it and we don't want to respond to it. Mark Batterson, who is a pastor in Washington, D.C., about 10 years ago, he's, he said it, that he and his family went to the Galapagos Islands, which is off of uh, the coast of Ecuador, and they went, and uh, this is where Charles Darwin went in the 1800s to um, to see the origin of the species, you know, to see uh, things in their natural habitat. And, and, and Batterson said it hasn't changed that much. He said we went and he said uh, saw a 200-year-old turtle that uh, weighed about a 1,000 pounds. He said it, he saw huge iguanas that weren't fearful of man in the least bit. He said he saw... Uh, uh, sea lions. He actually swam with the sea lions. He, he saw all of this uh, wildlife out in its natural habitat, and he said it was unbelievable to see that. He said that they got back home, and a few weeks later, they went to the National Zoo in, in D.C., and, which is a great zoo, and he went to the zoo, he and his family, and they were walking around, and he, and he saw... He, th- he thought, I'm seeing the same animals, but there's something different. They're, they're caged. Uh, <clears throat> we've taken these animals that on the islands were wild, and we've put them in cages, and they're domesticated and safe, and uh, this is what we've done, and the animals seem bored, and they seem lethargic, uh, 
because they've been caged. And then Batterson said this. He said, is this not what the church has done today? We've taken the gospel, the, the power of Jesus Christ that inhabits each of us, that we are to be world changers, and what has happened is the church has made it safe and sanctified, and this is what we've done. We've made it tame, and this is what we've done. And I thought about that, and I thought, man, is there not some truth to that? And is there not a God who still calls out men and women to the burning bushes of the world? Is there not a God who still calls people out of the safe boat into the stormy ways? Is there not a God who says, if you'll just touch the hem of the garment, that the the issue of blood that the woman had will be healed? Is there not still a day when lepers and blind people can cry out and still be touched by God and be healed? And is there not... Churches that need to be planted. Is there not uh, countries that need missionaries? Is there not neighborhoods that need to be reached out to? And, but have we become so tame and so uh, domesticated that we're not going out there anymore? And we're going to talk about this today. And uh, uh, I'll say this up front. Messages like today can empty a church. I don't mean it from a negative reason. Uh, I mean just if people take this dead seriously, that God, you still call us out where bushes is burning, that we we may find ourselves next week in another place. God, you want to use me here. We're going to be in Judges of all places, the Old Testament book of Judges, chapter 6. Now, we're going to be kind of walking through 6 and 7 there, so I'm not going to be reading the whole story. It's about a guy named uh, Gideon, and we're going to be looking at Gideon in just a moment, but let me, let me give you some thoughts up front. Here's, here's my heartbeat this week. A time may come when God asks you to step out of your safe margins because he has a God-sized task he asks of you. Let me read that one more time. A time may come when God asks you to step out of your safe margins because he has a God-sized task he asks of you. Now, what is this God-sized task? I don't know for you. I know what we've walked through different times, but he may have a God-sized task for you. Maybe it's a particular mission field that, that God is calling you to. Maybe it's a different career path that He wants to use you in. Maybe it's uh, uh, your family and you feel called to foster or to adopt a child. Maybe it's to go next door and speak the gospel to your neighbor. Maybe it's to train for full-time ministry. Maybe it's to teach or shepherd in one of our Bible fellowships. Maybe it's to sacrificially give financially to a a godly passion that you have. Or maybe it's to start a particular ministry that doesn't exist within the body of Central, but you are called to to start that. And and here's some thoughts on God-sized tasks. These tasks are impossible unless God comes through. 
I mean, you're stepping out on faith, and and this is a God-sized thing that if He doesn't come through, it's going to be failure. And and that's that's where faith is developed. Faith is not developed way back on the firm uh, the the ground that's smooth and the path that's smooth. Faith is matured in the unknown that God uh, uh, asks of us. So I have to ask myself sometimes because you know a man of faith. I want to be a man of faith. But is there anything going on in my life right now? That if God doesn't come through, it's going to fail. And that's, that's one thing about God-sized stuff. Here's another thing about God-sized stuff. It will be costly. And it will cost. It will mean leaving your current state of affairs in, in your comfort. And it will be costly to step out. Maybe it's costly financially. Maybe it's costly in some other areas. Maybe it'll cost relationships because people do not understand so it's costly to you here's another thing about uh god-sized things you're going to at probably in the midst of this is say why me god why me why are you asking this of me have you considered my brother aaron you know that's what moses did we want to beg out god why would you Use me in this. Here's another thought on God's size task. You weren't looking for it. It's not like you were saying, okay, God, what do you have for me? It's usually in the day in, day out that God says, I have, a, I have something for you. And what he does is he calls you out of that. And here's one more thought. Some people will not understand, even believers. They're going to say, are you crazy? Are you, are you going to actually leave the comfort of everything you have right now to step out on this? Are you crazy? God, God will understand, right? And you will have some people that will struggle and they will be close to you. They will be those closest to you. And you will come to that crisis of faith. Well, when I looked at the Scriptures, I could have looked at a lot of people who have stepped out on faith. But the individual that the Lord really led me to is Gideon. Now, Gideon, what was happening, so that you know the background, I would encourage you to go read Judges 6, 7, and 8. Uh, not, not while I'm preaching. But uh, sometime today. It will give you the whole story, but I'm going to give you a helicopter view of the story. What's happening is there were tribal people called the Midianites, and the Midianites were warriors, and what would happen is is during seasonal times, they would come down and they would attack the Israelites. They would take all their wheat. They would take their sheep. They would take everything that they had, and then they would leave again. And so the Israelites are under this incredible oppression from the Midianites. So what do they do? They cry out to God. They, the Israelites cry out to God. God, here they come again. Uh, we need you desperately. And so we're crying out to you. Now, here's, here's point number one 
that I want you to write down. Your risk, your risk that God may be asking of you will be the answer to someone's prayer. Gideon is going to be the answer to these people crying out. But I want you to know that every time that God calls you to step out and risk, I guarantee you someone is crying out. You may never know that person. That person may be on the other side of the world and they have a son or daughter in this country that has walked away from the Lord. And maybe, just maybe, your heart is broken in such a way that God is saying, are you willing to get out of the comfort of your house and go to somebody else's house and love them in the name of Jesus? Maybe somebody is crying out on the other side of the world and you are an answer to that prayer. I want you to know that when God calls you, it's usually the answer to someone's crying out. And that's what the Israelites were doing. They were crying out to God. And so God sent a prophet, and then He sent an angel, and He sent an angel to come down to where a timid man, we don't know his age, we don't know the age of Gideon, we don't know what his stature was, we don't know anything about him other than he was alive and he was in a vat, a wine vat, uh, underground literally hiding from the Midianites, and he was threshing wheat. Because he was doing it in a hideout situation so that Midianites would not find him down there doing that. And he's timid. He's uh, very much afraid of what could happen. He's doing a menial task. And God shows up in the form of an angel messenger. And this angel messenger says, O man of valor. In other words, he's saying, O warrior. Gideon is down there, timid. He says, I'm the least of my tribe. And you come and say, O mighty warrior, O man of valor. uh, uh, Judges, chapter 6, verse 12. Notice what it says. It says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Here's the second thing to write down. God will remind you of your true identity. God will remind you of your true identity. I want to say something, especially you men, perk up here right quick. Your identity is not in what you do. You put a group of men together and the first question is, what do you do? Because we measure worth by what we do. I I want you to know that it's not what you do, but it's who you are. And not only who you are, but whose you are. And you belong to Jesus Christ. And and what Gideon is uh, reminded of here is his true identity. His true identity is not a timid guy who is hiding away. His true identity, the angel says, O man of valor, literally it means warrior. You are a warrior. Did Gideon see himself a warrior? Oh, no, by, by not by any stretch. But the Lord reminded him of his identity. I have a brother that's four years older. And when we were growing up, uh, he, uh, he, he had the charisma, he had the looks, he had the incredible talent, seeing 
beautifully. Uh, very enjoyable guy to be around. And most of the people thought, okay, he's going to be in the ministry. And then there's more. Uh, redhead, freckles, um, glasses, timid, introvert. And, and you're thinking, okay, this, I would pick this guy instead of this guy. But the Lord said, saw me different than I saw myself even. He had to teach me my identity. And some of you in this room are struggling with your identity. You really are. I, I think we, we have a culture of people struggling with our identity. We find it in what we do. We find it in something we've accomplished. We find it in money. We find it in relationships, climbing the ladder, all those kind of things. And it just leaves us hollow. So it's not who you are or, or what you've done. It's whose, whose you are, actually. God sees you as a child or a daughter. And, and some of you need to hear today that you're a mighty warrior. And that's the way God saw Gideon. And Gideon uh, makes reasoning why he cannot do this. You know, I'm the least of my tribe. Uh, this is the way I am. But I love this. Look at uh, Joshua 6.16. Uh, excuse me, Judges 6.16. And it says this. And the Lord said to him, said to Gideon, I will be with you and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. He didn't say it's going to be easy. He didn't say how long it was going to take. He didn't say it was going to be safe. He said that I will be with you. So write this down. God will remind you that He is with you. He, he didn't say how much it was going to cost, what the risk was going to be, that it did not cost earthly possessions. He said, I am going to be with you. And that's the key. That's the key right there. Uh, you know, uh, Moses and the children of Israel, Moses used to meet face to face, but he said this, Lord, if you don't go with us, I don't want to go. And, and it's that way today. God is still calling people to go out where the bushes is burning, to go out and take the risk. But he says this, I'm going to be with you. That's the whole key. And so Gideon is being instructed to go and defeat the Midianites. And so he's in that vat, threshing wheat. He's not looking for God to show up. He's not looking for a divine appointment. God shows up with a divine appointment. He calls him mighty warrior. He says, listen, you're full of excuses, but I'm going to be with you. That's the key. We're going to go do this together, and I'm going to be with you. And so the angel gives Gideon an instruction. He tells him to go home to his house where his father is and to tear down the family idols that are there. That's what he tells him to do. So Gideon is going to do that. Uh, here's, here's the next thought. Look at verse 27. 627. It says this, So Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord told him, but because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. Notice what it says. He did as the Lord told him. So here's the next thing to write down. 
Smaller acts of obedience prepare for bigger ones. If you're willing to be obedient, in, in, it didn't seem that simple, but if you're willing, Gideon, to be obedient, to go get your house in order, to tear down these pagan idols, if you're willing to do that, I have a much bigger thing that we can do together. And so he sends him home to tear down these idols, and sure enough, he did it. Here's my question for you and me today. Are you willing to tear down the past? I think that what the Lord is telling Gideon here, listen, you need to get that out of your life. You need to tear down the past. Some of you have a past. I couldn't have played with you when I was a kid. I I know I couldn't. (laughs) You have a past, and you're thinking, oh, if God only knew my past, He he wouldn't use me. He's saying, tear down the past. But not only tear down the past, I, I, I think an idol in my life many times is the idol of familiarity. Even if it's, even if it's not good for my life, I've, I've heard that many young ladies who grew up under an abusive dad will marry a guy that's abusive, not, not because they love him, but because it's familiar. And sometimes we will do that with familiarity. And so I think what the Lord is saying to Gideon too, these pagan idols are here. They're part of your life. They become very familiar to you. Are you willing to go and tear them down? So I'm going to use you. And we've got to get rid of this stuff. And if you're willing to be obedient in this task, then I've got something much bigger for you to do. So, God will prepare you through smaller steps because He has bigger steps. Now, Gideon does something now that many of us love to dwell in this part of the story. It's the fleeces. You remember the story of Gideon. Okay, God, if you're really in this, I'm going to take a fleece out, uh, sheep's wool. I'm going to put it on the ground. And God, if you're really in this, make the fleece wet, ground dry. And then he sit, turns it around, turn the, uh, make the ground wet, the fleece dry. Now, I'm not going to spend much time on that, but I'm going to tell you this. Do not make putting fleeces out your go-to. I guarantee you, this is what Gideon was doing. I, I, and, and I'm reading between the lines here. But Gideon was doing everything he could to get out of this thing. And so he thought if he makes something so hard for God, he's going to get out of it. And it didn't happen. God came through. So don't make, you know, how God, if you really mean that, let my Bible reading be a, a specific specific place Uh, or God if you're really in this let it rain today if it rains today I'll know you're behind it we put fleeces out don't don't let that be your go-to because what you're doing with fleeces is you're trying to get out of it and that's what Gideon was trying to do but let me bring you up to date on the story so God comes through with the fleece so then God instructs Gideon, call out the people. 
So he calls out the, the men who are fighting men. And he has 32,000 that show up. Man, Gideon's got to be thinking, 32,000 men, I can go and defeat the Midianites. I just got to lead them into battle. I can do this with 32,000 men. And, and God says, hmm, too many. And uh, he says, ask, ask any of them if they're afraid or they need to go back home. Well, 10,000 departed. So he's got 22,000. He's thinking, okay, I, I can do well with 22,000. I can still make a, a run on the Midianites, take them down with 22,000. I can do that. And God says, mm, too many. So uh, do this. Go down to the uh, uh, water, and uh, we're going to see those that get on all fours and kind of drink like a, a dog, um, then you don't want them. But those that go and kneel and, and scoop up the water, that's the one you want. And I, I have to believe that Gideon was watching these uh, 10,000 men, uh, uh, excuse me, 22,000 men. And he's thinking, man, don't get on all fours. Don't get, don't get on all, don't get on all fours. Kneel down and drink. Well, God said, okay, we got 300 men. Start out with 32,000. We've got 300. And Gideon's got to be thinking at that point, oh, Lord, if you do not come through, this is going to fail. So here's the next thought. God will trim down your dependence on your flesh. He will trim it down. Oh, don't you hate that? To where all that is left is faith. All that is left is faith. God, if you do not come through now, I don't know how we're going to make it. His troops were thinned. Maybe God has asked something with you and it's cost you monetarily and your wealth has been trimmed. Your relationships might be trimmed. Your safety net is removed. And you come to that crisis of belief. God, did you really ask this of me? And you have to take that step of faith. It was like Indiana Jones, right? In the last crusade, if you've seen that movie where he... It says a leap from the lion's head and he steps. I'm not going to do it because there's no invisible bridge in front of me. And he steps off and he hits that bridge and you didn't see it, but then you camera angle, you you see it and and that kind of stuff. God will call you to a crisis of belief. I I believe that. It's going to be that moment. You know, if you've done experiencing God, Henry Blackaby talks about this. The crisis of belief. Do you really believe? Do you really believe that God's going to come through? And then you take that step and you see Him wonderfully come through. But God will trim down your dependence upon your flesh. Now what happens, the rest of the story, is they're trimmed down to 300 people. They go and and uh, they destroy the Midianites in in verse in chapter seven, you can read the story. Uh, here's what's interesting is is that Gideon's life does not necessarily finish strong, but at this point he is willing to risk it all for the sake of what God is asking him. But there's one last thing that I want you to see. Look at verse 34 in chapter six. 
6.34. It says, But the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon, and he sounded the trumpet, and the Abizarites were called out to follow him. Notice what it says. The Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. Now, they're going to go in an orthodox way. They're going to defeat the Midianites. I mean, God was in the whole thing. But that's the key verse to me right there, verse 34. The Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. So your last point to write down is this. Out of obedience and worship, the Holy Spirit took over. And the, oh, the Holy Spirit takes over. He enables and He empowers. And the Midianites are to fear it defeated and here's the here's the point you can you can bank on this god-sized things are only accomplished when the spirit takes over they're only accomplished when the spirit takes over are you willing to yield and that's the hardest part god i yield to you lord you're asking you're asking this of me and and i really hope our students are listening because I believe that God still calls people out of the safe confines of the boat onto the waves. And He still calls us out where the bushes are burning. And He still, he still calls us to go and attack the walls of Jericho. He's still asking teenage boys and girls to go out and fight the Goliaths of the world. But not just teenagers, but all of us. And are we willing to risk it all to go? Now, I want to ask the worship team to come. Jonathan and Amanda Ryan are two special people to us here. And I want Jonathan and Amanda to come stand with me just a moment. Jonathan and Amanda uh, are going to be risking it all. They're going to be going to Japan as soon as the COVID wall comes down, which we pray will be soon in Japan. And uh, they are here to stand before you today. And uh, we're going to be laying hands on them and commissioning them. And, and you may be thinking, oh, that's, that's really something. They're willing to answer that call. Well, you've got to understand, they weren't looking for this. Amanda was... Uh, teaching school and band and uh, working with our student ministry. Jonathan was working, had a job, and they were very content and things were very, very smooth for them. And God said, hey, I want you to risk it all for the sake of the gospel. They came to a crisis of belief and they stepped out. And they're not even on the mission field yet, but I think God has already answered in so many, so many incredible ways. And so I wanted you to see a picture. Now, now it doesn't mean you, everybody's called to Tokyo, Japan. It, it, it may mean you're called to go across the street or you're called to do something in your workplace or God has put a ministry on your heart that needs to be birthed out of this body. I, I don't know, but God is speaking to people in this room. Some of you in this room, God is saying right now, listen, you thought you were a follower of Jesus, and you're not a follower of Jesus. And the first step you need to take is to get that right. 
There's some of you that need to do that. But today, we're going to pray over Jonathan and Amanda. So I'm going to ask y'all to have a seat here, if you do not mind. And uh, I want to ask any of our missions team that are here to come. I want to ask our elders to come. I want to ask our pastors to come. I want to ask uh, any uh, ordained or licensed uh, individuals that are in the room that would like to come, just come on down. First of all, just as a gift, we, we give a bowl and a towel. Just as a reminder that, um, that this is not about us. It's about what God gave for us to do in John chapter 13, that we are to wash feet. And so uh, this is just a reminder. Wherever you keep it, let it be a reminder to you. Uh, secondly, we are uh, commissioning them. And, and Crystal, stand up right quick. This is Crystal, and Crystal's from Michigan. And she is, uh, uh, they are, Jonathan and Amanda are going as part of the SEND um, missionary sending group. And Crystal is here from Michigan. She came down to, uh, uh, to witness this commissioning and be a part of it. So thank you, Crystal, for, for being here. And uh, Amanda's got her family here with her as, as well. But uh, let me just read this, and I'll, I'll give this to you. Um, Certificate of Commission to Send International. Jonathan and Amanda Ryan are hereby commissioned and duly set apart for missionary work and a special service of recognition by Central Baptist Church of Round Rock to serve with Send International in Japan. In testimony whereof we affix our signatures this 19th day of September in the year of our Lord 2021. So, Crystal, we say to you that uh, we believe Jonathan and Amanda are called to do what they do. And thank you all for being uh, the sending agents that they can go through. All right. Thank you so much. And then... Uh, Part of what we're going to be doing as well is we're going to be licensing Jonathan in the gospel ministry. He met with our elders, and uh, this is the certified Jonathan Ryan who has given evidence that God has called him into the gospel ministry, was licensed to preach the gospel as he may have opportunity, and to exercise his gifts in the work of the ministry, signed by uh, Central Baptist Church. So... I'm going to give that. I'm going to just give you, Jim. We don't need a copy of the commissioning, do we? We we have okay. Okay, okay. Thank you. So what we're going to do is uh, you can just set that on the floor if you want to. Uh, we are going to let our worship team just lead us in a song of worship. And what's going to happen is uh, these folks are just going to come lay hands upon Jonathan and Amanda and pray for them. And then I'll pray in just a moment. So why don't you stand right where you're at and, uh, and y'all come on up and, and let's, uh, let's just begin.
praying. 